0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Good Trash Genrecast. Just as a friendly reminder, you can find us at good underscore trash on Twitter, as well as good trash genre Cast on Facebook, where we will give you not just our most recent uh, podcast episode updates, but uh, much more content as well. So definitely keep your eye on that outlet and get involved with us. We want to hear from you. Thanks.
1: I wish I could tell you
2: where this script was going, Heather. The fact is, I don't know. You know I, I dream a scene at night. I write it down in the morning.
3: Beyond that, uh, your guess is as good as mine where
1: it's
3: going. Good trash genre cast. So, dead? That's 500. How about alive?
0: Hmm?
3: You wanna know how I got these scars? Can you spit it? D J A N G O. The D is silent. I have got to give me one of these. Lou, you're a wolf. Come on. What are these? What are you doing with these? Okay, I get it, get No, bonus. no, no. Who gave you these? Who taught you about these?
0: Learned it from you. Okay. I learned it from
4: watching you. If it bleeds, we can kill it.
3: Well, at least tell me what it's about so far.
1: Thanks. I can tell you what the is about so far. It's it's about this entity, whatever you want to call it. It's it's old. It's very old. It's existed in different forms at different times. About the only thing about it that stays the same is what it lives for, really.
3: What is that?
1: Oh, the murder of innocence.
4: Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genrecast, where a bunch of people gather around a table and we talk about the films you'll never discuss in a film's day's course. This week's film is Mean Girls, the central film in a trilogy about mathematics, median, mean, and average girls. But uh, we'll yes. talk more about that here in just a few minutes. Uh, first and foremost, we must identify the disembodied voices surrounding you via your MP3 generic player, your car stereo, or what you're doing instead of working right now. And so I I asked <laughs> to the extreme enough. right, sir, if you'd introduce yourself.
1: My name is Dalton Stewart, and what are marijuana tablets. <laughs> Very good. To my left, ma'am, if you would.
0: My name is Alexandra Bohinen, and Dustin's hair is so big because it's so full of secrets.
4: <laughs> it's absolutely correct. To my immediate right, if you would, sir.
2: I am Arthur Gordon, and on the third day, God created the Remington bolt-action rifle so that man could fight the dinosaurs and the homosexuals.
4: Very, very good. Thank you very much. My name is Dustin Sells, and when my nana gets drunk, she takes off her wig.
2: We have that in common. You know
0: what? We, none of us did all the quotes that everyone uses from this movie. Like, uh, on Wednesdays, we wear pink.
2: We do. Uh, um, also, Stop Arth-
0: th- trying to make fetch happen.
1: None of you can sit with me. One of she my doesn't even go
2: here. <laughs>
0: Shut
1: up, do losers. Go- We're going shopping. I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so many lines. My uh, My intro line was almost one time Arthur Gordon punched me in the face. It was awesome. Yeah, that one's <laughs> a good one, too. <laughs> and the movie's full of great lines. It yeah. really is.
4: And so the film of the week is Mean Girls, a Lindsay Lohan film. Now, we need to warn you, dear listener,
1: this is not... It is, it is so much more than a Lindsay Lohan film. Oh, okay.
4: <laughs> it is so
1: much more than that. Uh, this is not a review show, though. It's an
4: analysis show. And so you will not learn how to properly figure the mean of uh, any mathematical formula at any point ever uh, until uh, the end of the show, at which we bring our analysis. But what we'll do before that is we'll give a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema and then our quick thumbs-up, thumbs-down reviews, and then, spoilers ahoy, dear listener, you have now been
2: warned. Katie Heron is a hit with the plastics, the A-list girl click at her new school, until she makes the mistake of falling for Aaron Samuels, the ex-boyfriend of Alpha Plastic, Regina George.
4: Well, that's almost what it's about. Yeah, I don't, except not I'm not, not at at totally on board yeah. with that synopsis
1: at all. It's kind of a shitty synopsis. Yeah, I'm not very Although happy with that. Although Regina George's name should always be said that way. Yes. Regina George. We're in, like, hush whispers.
4: <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. When, probably when she sleeps with some guy in the projector booth, that's what he says.
2: I'm voting for Regina because she got... I'm voting for her because she pushed her in front of that bus.
4: I'm voting for Katie because she pushed her. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All righty. Well, Miss Alexander Wannon, this time for real, why don't you give us your thumbs up, thumbs down review?
0: Um, This is. I think that's we're all right and baggy on that synopsis because I feel like this movie is way more than that. It's a lot smarter than than that. It's not just a bubble bubblegum teen kind of movie. I think there's a lot of really interesting things going on. Of course, uh Amy Poehler and uh, Tina Fey kind of are the are the reasons why this didn't turn into like a empty headed bubblegum teen like dramatic bullshit fest. Um Sometimes though, like with Tina Fey's humor in general, I, the line get and and it's the same with Thirty Rock and a little bit on Kimmy Schmidt. I get a little like blurred lines as to you know is she being racist or sexist here, or is what like you're is not, she's critiquing? You're not the first person that. I've,
1: I've heard say that, and I always think that's insane. Yeah, I'm also a white person. So that, you know, grain of salt be taken. But I nothing in Tina Fey's work has ever come across to me that way. I think she's not afraid of racial humor, but I always think she is trying to make a point or, you know, she's not afraid of doing things that might come across as vaguely misogynistic. But I think she's always trying to make a point about how people who are marginalized by society are treated by society.
0: Right. And that's what I said like I was trying to go for. I wasn't saying, Tina Fey is a racist. I was just saying... <laughs> no, I don't, sometimes I don't think Sometimes it gets were. kind of uncomfortable and I'm like, I don't know how I should take, you know, some of these, like, sweeping generalizations.
1: Do we have a new student with us. She just moved here from Africa.
0: Welcome. I'm from Michigan. Great. But, of course, the character's making those. She's also writing like, about high school, so... Right, and then it's satire and comedy. So, yeah. And good part of comedy is getting people to question their existing structures and using a comedic vehicle is a pretty good way to do so. Um, So that's, that's just kind of a thing. Um, But overall the performance is really, really good. I, there's not really a lot I can say about the movie in general. It was, I mean, it was a teen movie and it was probably a lot smarter than a lot of teen movies, but um, I, there is a lot of fervor about this movie that I haven't yet discovered the fervor of the the reason for the fervor and uh i mean i get people really like certain movies but i guess this is the you know that taste difference between you know seeing a cute guy and being like that guy's a nine to a ten it's it's a preference thing so um it's good i think it's funny but i don't know if it's like something i'd just like pop in to watch personally
1: well there you go thank you very much Miss and mr dalton stewart what say you mean girls is pretty much a perfect comedy Um, It is a brilliant movie. I I think it perfectly encapsulates what it's like to be in high school. Um, I think it does a really good job of saying something about what it is to be a young girl um, or a young woman. Um, It's so brilliant from top to bottom. It's so funny. Everybody in the cast is amazing. I mean, Lizzie Kaplan, Rachel McAdams, Lindsay Lohan. I mean, these were all star-making performances for all of them. Uh, Unfortunately, Lindsay Lohan hasn't done a whole lot with her career since this, but this... I mean, she could have done anything she wanted in this movie. I mean, she's she's great in it, and Rachel McAdams, uh, Lacey um, Amanda Seyfried—they're all so so funny in this movie. Uh, Tina Fey just wrote an amazing script, and they all do such a good job of bringing that that dialogue and that humor to life. I mean, yeah, as far as the plotting of it, the film itself goes, it's fairly predictable. You know, there's there's nothing particularly revolutionary about the plot, but I think it's how we get from point A to point B within the course of the film that makes it so special because it is so smart. It's, I mean, you can see shades of thir- the 30 Rock uh, humor that we will come, you know, will come to be a huge hit. I mean, you, you can see those grains of early, you know, Tina Fey writing in there and, and they just ring so true. They're so funny. I mean, I could quote this film all day. I really could. It's hysterical to me. Uh, I, I think it's aces in my book. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what say you?
2: This movie is so fetch. Uh, it uh-huh. it really is a lot of fun.
0: Stop trying to make fetch happen, Arthur.
2: I do what I want. Um, the screenplay, it is, I, I, I'm an echo Dalton. I mean, the screenplay is just so tight and it's so tight and sharp. And the performances all work. The girls uh, involved, they just all nail it and seem to be having a lot of fun. And so it's quotable. I could watch this, you know, just kind of whenever. I, th- I think I could pop it in and just watch it because I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, Tim Meadows, to me, is still a much underrated comedian. Hell
1: no, I did not need the South Side for this.
2: Is one of my favorite lines in this whole movie. I, I love it so much. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think it's a lot of fun. I think it's paced really well. I, I don't have much negative to say about it. I think it does a lot more right than it does wrong.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Uh, It did pass the six laugh test for me at about six laughs. Uh, And so I I thought it was funny. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, I don't know that it's magic in the way that some of my co-hosts have spoken. I I, I think it's fun. I think it's smart. I'm not sure it's um – I, I could come up with other films as smart as far as comedies go, so I don't really find it to be particularly standout in that way. It does feel very Saturday Night Live to me. I very mean, with Lauren Michaels yeah. uh, behind it and Tim Meadows and Tina Fey, Annie polar. I mean, so there are reasons for that. Uh, and it does feel very much like an SNL movie, and I've got a lot of love for SNL movies out of the 90s. And uh, it feels like one of them, except for I don't really have sort of that nostalgic connection. This is the first time I ever watched the film ever again I I that's
1: not that surprising you don't have girls and no. you were you would have been in your mid-20s when this came out so. right
4: and and you know it's been so long since i was a teenage girl i can't remember <laughs> so i have very little you know uh in, intimate
1: connection there with the i film. do uh, oh yeah you do I've, you better believe i do <laughs> the first time i saw this movie lizzie capitol and i'm still in love with lizzie capitol this day i think she's gorgeous but yeah uh janice ian oh man yeah. Set Dalton up for a Two, lifetime of sexual yeah, that's, uh, misdeeds. Yeah, that, t- that 2004. Uh, that that was that was the kicker. I mean, the damage was already done by the uh, the late 90s, but this really cemented it. Absolutely, oh. absolutely. <laughs> but but oh, what man. I would say oh. then
4: is just, you know, I've seen funnier movies, I've seen smarter movies, but there's nothing wrong with this one, right? And uh, it, it, that's kind of where I'm at. I like it. I like it just fine, but I don't. I don't oogle over it, uh, and so there you have it. I yeah. don't. I don't find it to be quite so fetch. Uh, let's move on now, dear listener. You have been warned. It is time for us to get down to business. Yes, That's right, dear listener. We're up in the projection booth with Coach Carr, and we're going to get down to business and bring some analysis to this film.
0: It's like a five-way, I guess, or something.
4: (laughs) I'm not sure what that is. And uh, what we're going to do today is something a little bit different. We figure that the analysis is pretty on the nose with this film. Uh, It might have something to do with feminism. But uh, Dalton and I have a a couple quick words that we want to say, and then we're going to do sort of a roundtable talking about some of the issues that – orbit around this film i begin with you dalton uh what do you want to say uh just to sort of frame uh the beginnings of our conversation well
1: i think something that mean girls does really well is address what are called uh, secondary units of socialization you know you've got your primary units uh that you don't choose your family uh the things your family makes you do but then you get into your peer groups uh for katie's character i mean this is the first time she's ever been you know with anyone that wasn't her family um or the the peoples in Africa that her family were spending a lot of time around. this is the first real experience of with you know an American social group that she's seeing uh, and I think one of the things that the film does really well is present how we get into those those social groups that begin to form our personalities. I mean she very slowly starts to become one of the plastics um and she says something that um she hates Regina because she's so mean, but she wants her to like her and I think there's something very interesting there to be said for. The ability, or the the ability of people who are mean and intimidating, to make you strive for their approval, uh, despite your the better better angels of your nature, you can't help but want those people to like you uh, because it's because you have to earn it. I think, and I think that's something very interesting. Um, the idea of, of Katie dumbing herself down just to get this guy to notice her, I think that's very interesting too. I think that's. Uh, that speaks volumes. I've, you know, uh, talked to people in my life that have had that done that very thing, have done themselves down to make people like them. And I think that's something that happens in public schools a lot. You know, people won't speak up in class because they don't want to seem smart. They don't want to, you know, they don't, it's not cool to be paying attention. So uh, I think that's something that it, about high school that it captures very well. And those, those secondary units of socialization, you know, from uh, the start of public school to the end of it, that really shape who you're going to be more than your family does in a lot of ways. Uh, And it really captures public education in a very interesting way. The the lack of resources, uh, those sex ed classes are so funny to me and I think do a really good job of capturing the attitudes that administrators and faculty have towards sex uh, in high school. Uh, The cliques, I think it does a really good job of of capturing that. So uh, those are some of the things I think Mean Girls does really well and I think those are some of the reasons that it has stayed so potent uh, and why people... Over ten years later, I uh, keep going back to it as as this this hallmark in teen movies. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. I
4: want to add one other piece of framing to it, and that is welcome to the party, dear listener. It's time for a little Marxist reading. And uh, what I want to say here is that there is in this film this notion –… of capitalist consumerism and sort of how intractable it is, inescapable it is, we see Lindsay Lohan's character coming in, and she is not introduced to these sort of structures of late capitalism, which identifies you as a consumer in which coolness is sort of the commodity of the film. And so there are those uh, robber barons who have it all, there, the plastics, and there are others who are sort of striving for the scraps there beneath them. And uh, throughout the film, you see this sort of struggle of power and trying to raise uh, oneself up. And of course, what happens if one is able to uh, achieve that sort of power? They become just as evil, which is what happens here uh, with Lindsay's uh, Katie character. And uh, you know, what's what's it sort of undoes itself though, which is sort of tragic. It sort of frames all that as bad and destructive and ugly. And there is this moment of violence. Uh, which sort of, uh, ushers in the overthrow, and that is when Regina gets hit by a bus, which absolutely shocked me. I, I gasped aloud when that happened. I did not see that coming. Um... And uh, so I was pretty shocked by that, but th- strangely, so there there seems to be like this independent, like anarcho-syndicalist moment that happens afterward where people sort of understand that cool is not a commodity, and they begin to be more shared, and it does become somewhat more communitarian in the economy of cool uh, in the school. But immediately here come these juniors, right? these new junior plastics, and Lindsay says – so well, we know how to deal with them, and we have an imaginative sequence where they're hit by a bus – and then she goes, nah, not really, and that really is where sort of the problem is that there does need to be some sort of violent overthrow of the system. You know, I'm not necessarily advocating violence, but I mean uh, violent in terms of the upheaval necessary to make it happen, and there seems this idea of, yeah, we might have had a moment in which things were good and we were all together and we would share what we'd have resource-wise, and again, the resource being cool. At this point, uh, but there's nothing really we can do to change the world. This is the way it is. And one of the great uh, forces of uh, hegemony, which is just this idea that. That they they try to homogenize and establish a culture and ideologically state that things are the way they are because they they are the only way they can be is that the film says, oh, they're always going to be coming again, and really there is no way to win. You just try to be a nice person yourself and don't be one of those guys. Be happy with your place lower on the totem pole and let all those people you know monopolize all the resources and then let it be. And so I, I feel like it kind of went back on itself just a little bit with that particular idea. But uh, other than that, you know, I think it's interesting. So those are some thoughts that don't directly relate to the overall feminism uh, of the film. And so I'm just going to ask a couple questions around the table and just see what happens uh, with the film. I think the film does something very interesting. Uh, with the use of the term slut and the terms whore and, and whatnot, and I just want to talk about a minute about what you guys think the film does with the concept that we all know as slut shaming. What do you guys think?
1: Well, I think something that hap- something that happens that's really cool is when they have that assembly. Um, Tina Fey says, "You guys have got to stop calling each other that because it makes it okay for guys to call you that," and I think that's very interesting. This idea that it's not about um, shaming uh, sexual behavior, but it's an idea of not allowing it to be okay for people to shame sexual behavior. And it's encouraging people to think about things a little differently, I think. Or at least that's what Tina Fey does in that auditorium sequence, I think. Now that might, I, I don't know if for everybody else, that's enough to change the usage, uh, which is a lot, uh, change the extensive usage of those kind, that kind of language throughout the film. But for me, I think it makes a really good point.
0: I just was kind of surprised at the amount of like, I feel like to that culture at that high school, the terms were almost divorced from their original meanings. Because if you, if you look at what was happening, nobody was really like Regina was sleeping with a bunch of people, but no one was like, Oh my God, Regina is not a virgin anymore. Like that never really came up. You know what I mean? It was, it was never, it's kind of interesting that it's, like, it's still insulting, and I guess it still has its roots at someone that, like, fucks a bunch of people, but, like, I I just don't understand, like, because it doesn't seem like it went full docket. Like, people kept on, like, using them, but it was almost like an empty term because they didn't want to just call each other bitches the entire movie. I think
1: part of that might be part of the PG-13 rating. Right,
0: yeah, that's what I was thinking, like... Because there's only so many insulting words, you know, like, yeah. I mean, the C word probably gets you, like, an R rating. Right? Oh,
1: yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I don't think so immediately, yeah. Yeah. Um, well,
0: I, I mean, I didn't know, like, that was... Yes,
1: definitely. Um, but I, well, I, I meant, specifically, you're, you're talking about the usage of those words, kind of divorced, actually, from sexual behavior. That's what I meant. I, I think... Yeah were not hearing or seeing a lot of sexual activity on screen because it's a PG-13 movie. Yeah. Uh, I think they... You know, there there were some jokes that had to get cut. I think they were always shooting for PG-13 rating, uh, and there was some language and some jokes that had to be trimmed out because they were trying to keep that PG-13 rating. Yeah. But I I totally get what you mean.
0: Yeah, and so for me, I just... I do want to read into something there. And like, I really think that that Tina Fey sequence is totally like valid and fair and great and everything. But I did feel feel a little weird that, um, you know, like thinking of uh, that recent teen comedy, easy a, that stars in the stone, like that was a movie all about being in high school and doing sexual ac- activity out of, um, you know, out of marital bounds or just freely or what have you. And, you know, in that Way I guess having using words like like slut and whore like that kind of had like some more weight and meaning to it because it was like trying to insult someone for being that way because that was like the theme of the movie. Well,
4: they do
1: make a joke of one girl's virginity, you yeah, know, or the yeah. possible lack thereof. Yeah, oh, she, just half a virgin, she, She's a No, that's uh, – Rachel McAdams says, I was, I was still half a virgin when I met him. But they're going through the burn book, and they say so-and-so is a, a fat virgin. Well, that's still half true. Yeah.
0: yeah. So anyway, just some food for thought, I guess, on that.
1: All
4: Uh Here's another question. I want to problematize sort of the overall feminism in the film, and I think we might still arrive at a point where we say it is feminist. But uh, it does seem to me that the uh, film sort of suggests that absolute power corrupts Absolutely. And given power in the hands of a woman, that they will become a mean girl, no matter whom they are, is the film suggesting that idea? And why or why not?
0: Well, we don't have any counter evidence to say that. We don't have like an equitable example because if we look at the um, the male, I mean, we have that douchey male jock, right? But um, he's just like a, a run of the mill douchebag. Like there's no King bee. There's no like equitable plastic dude except for what's his doodle, but he's not like me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I guess it's kind of, we don't have any evidence to say otherwise. I feel like the film is really trying to not say that, but like the, I guess the, the principal, he's like a authority figure and the father in the, in Katie's life. Like those are two male authority figures, but you know, I don't know. What do you think? Uh.
1: I think part of it is because this is a film about women. Um, I mean, this is a film about, you know, every film about high school is about a bunch of uh, people locked in the same building that desperately want to have sex with each other. Uh, And speaking in uh, strictly heterosexual terms, I mean, women are the decision makers uh, in sex, or at the very least they should be. Uh, And I think when sex is presented in the most healthy and positive way, that is the case, so... Obviously, the people with the most power are going to be the people that have, you know, the authority to make the decisions on who's having sex. Uh, I mean, early in the movie that uh, I can't remember the character's name, but he's asking uh, Lindsay Lohan if anybody's buttering her muffin. And if not, uh, can some would she like someone to be assigned to butter her muffin? Uh, And Regina George just calls it out. Do you want to have sex with him? No. (laughs) Okay, go away. Uh, And that's why they have the power right there. Uh, I I think what it, part of it, and I think it comes back to your Marxist reading, Dustin. It's about people's ability to wield power over people who are afraid of power. Because once Regina gets relegated, becomes, you know, a field hockey player, the jock girls aren't afraid of her uh, because they're also very angry uh, and have a lot of uh, physical power and a lot of rage to work through. Um, So I think what it's saying is that, you know, again, to take it to that Marxist reading, uh, that, that social consciousness, uh, that false consciousness of thinking you don't have power allows people to have power over you. And I think that's probably more of what it's saying uh, than uh, women in power are evil.
0: And then there's that an interesting bit of thing about declining utility as a woman ages because as we see with Amy um, Poehler, Amy Poehler yeah. her character, she desperately wants to be a cool mom to the point where I think I kind of agree with – some her parenting choices, they're obviously supposed to be satirical and a little extreme, but I find, you know, her comment about, do you guys eat condoms? Of course, in an awkward comedic time. And you know, if you guys are drinking, I want you to drink. In the house. <laughs> so like oh, both yeah. of those are like played for laughs, but, at but the they're, same time, that's, yeah. that's, I feel like that's good. Oh, right? I knew,
1: I knew parents like that. Yeah, yeah,
0: me too. Like, and, and it's kind of refreshing to see that. Um, and the thing is, is, but she's doing out of a place because she is declining, like her utility is declining because she is now like her goods have aged, mm-hmm. the, the rock hard boobs, et cetera. Like her husband doesn't want to stay with her anymore. He's sleeping. They're not sleeping in the same bed anymore. And we find out that their parents are the parents are separated or divorcing. Um, so then I think it is a reminder that, yes, in high school you have all these hot girls and they have all this power. And it's because all these dudes want to have sex with them. But the one uh, once you get to the point where you're not fuckable, remember that Amy Poehler skit. Your my last fuckable year. Uh, Amy Schumer. Schumer. Schumer, uh, My last fuckable year. Day. Day. There you go. Um, But yeah, like once you cross that threshold, like the win, the men wield the power, just like you know.
1: Well, and I think part of it might be. I would hope that as people mature, they start uh, thinking less with their sexual organs and start being a little bit more lucid in their thought process. Um, and Dustin, I mean, you raised the question. What do you think about the, this question of power in this film?
4: I mean, I, partly I raised the question because I don't honestly know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it, it, just, it seems like that Lindsay's arc, mm-hmm. it, it does sort of create the sense of inevitability. That if you're going to hang with the plastics that long, Mm -hmm. you're. It's sort of like in strange ways. It reminds me a lot of an undercover cop movie where uh, you're sort of you're you're back and forth between the. two No, that's really well put. You know, and 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 what happens though, and in those films also, there's sort of this inevitability that you become as committed and sometimes more committed to uh, you know your brothers uh, in arms in in the drug war. Uh, not rather the drug war and the drug dealing business, mm-hmm. as you do to your sort of your handlers mm-hmm. and, and and what have you. And it does seem like there's just this. Well, I think uh,
1: Donnie Brasco is a really good example of yeah. that. I was thinking about The Departed at first, but that's not really a good example. Donnie Brasco is probably what, a better example. Yeah. yeah.
4: And and it does seem to be almost inexorable. You just you, you cannot but do this because there is so much power, there is so much ease to it. And uh, of course, she does break free from it mm-hmm. eventually. But it, it seems to be so seductive. You know, that one cannot escape. And, of course, that inevitability is, is partly just good narrative structure. I mean, it's not going to be nearly as interesting if she resists the whole time. and She's conflicted and she only does one thing, uh, it, you know, sort of makes one bad choice. And then, oh, it's okay. It would be a much less interesting movie. She really does sort of go the dark side, Luke Skywalker. And uh, when she does that, uh, it, it, I don't know. It almost seems to indicate, though, that uh, once you have power, you cannot but lord that power over others and um, I'm not sure that the film is intending to suggest that but it does seem that that is a repeated pattern in cinema in general and this film sort of goes ahead and fulfills uh, that standard gesture does that make sense? <laughs> Alright uh, my last question is this uh, one of the most important questions overall with regard to feminism in cinema is the idea of the gaze and the objectification of the female body and uh, I, I want to just ask and I, I just, as I was watching the film I began to wonder about this is the reason why Katie is able to be again sort of the mole within um, the undercover cop uh, to do this and and to make this overthrow? Is it based on her sheer value as a beautiful person? Uh, you know, we have the exchange of the crown pieces, and we've got you know a heavy girl and somebody in a wheelchair and the gay guy and you know all these sort of other persons that are sort of given a nod. But it does seem to me, I don't know, that the film says. The best way to get anywhere, ladies, is if you know how to work it, and uh, you know as far as your body and your and your looks. And it, it does seem like the reason why um, her friend, what is her name? Um, Janice. Janice. No, or, or Janice is her friend. That's right. Janice and uh, what was the guy? Damien And Damien suggests, "Oh, you can do this," is because you're hot. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know you are objectified from the get go, and objectification a, a woman must perhaps acknowledge that objectification and work that in order to advance? Is it suggesting that about society?
1: Well, and again, I think at the very end of the film, with the passing out of the crown, there's that moment of everyone is beautiful in their own way. Damien singing Christina Aguilera's as I am beautiful at the talent show. I think there very much is a thread of, you know, beauty is this uh, subjective thing and is also something that is dictated by society a lot of the time. Um, and if we all can put that bullshit aside for a moment and appreciate everyone's, um, you know, the things that make them unique and beautiful and special we will all be better for it. I think Katie works as a mole because she's a blank slate, uh, because she has no social identity. She she isn't in a high school clique because she's never been in high school before. You know, she isn't an art kid uh, or, you know, a nerdy kid. She's just, she is. She has no discernible style, really, when the film begins. So that's, she is a a mold that can be, you know, turned into anything.
0: Um, I read this everyday feminism article about the difference between, um, being an object and a subject in terms of like sexual, like displaying yourself in like a sexual manner, just wanting to, um, you know, wear what you wear, regardless of, of the consequences or people reacting to you. Um, And the difference essentially came back to, like, being an object or a subject in, you know, if a woman is wearing revealing clothing is, are you, is that woman holding the power? Like, that's, again, going back to our power uh, discussion, like, in this movie, is Katie empowered by her her display becoming this kind of quote-unquote hot woman, or is she... or is she like a prisoner of these systems that subjectify her because she has to fit in this mold and she has to be playing along like everyone else? I don't feel like Katie, um, you know, kind of becoming this this hot, quote unquote, hot girl and ha- and dressing the way she does. I think she is being objectified, but it's it's kind of it's kind of tricky because she is choosing to present herself this way. But it's mostly that the power system like set up around her is, is causing her to be an object. But yeah, so I feel like the power systems in, in play make her make her an object which is which is sad because she's doing it from a place where she's doing it for others and not for herself.
4: Well, she certainly rejects um, her subjectivity in order to you know, accomplish the task with the whole mathlete slash uh, dumbing herself down mm-hmm. for her math performance. And the film does suggest that that was a bad idea.
1: Yeah, and no, it definitely treats that you, as a negative. You, sh-
4: you should be yourself. But yet, her ability to attain power and make the change was predicated on her Again, her beauty and and her allowance uh, to become objectified, and so to an extent, I worry that it eats its own tail um, at that point. Does that make sense?
1: yeah, no, I absolutely get what you 're saying that it uh it, it tries to have it it accidentally tries to have its cake and eat it too, uh, just through the you know the the confines of narrative filmmaking to get from point a to point b. it does have uh, what could be seen as a misstep. I get what you 're saying absolutely because she does become this person with enough power within the school to make this speech and say, this is what we should be doing. But she got, but she got there by being hot. So I, I get what you're saying. Is that, is that what you're kind of striking? Yeah. Because she, uh, there were
4: other girls that could have been asked who weren't pretty. Mm-hmm. What, what, what doesn't happen is, is a character uh, or an actress like Rebel Wilson doesn't take on the role. You know, they, they choose a Lindsay Lohan mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. And, and it, it, it is that choice, you know, that, that troubles me. So I don't know. I mean, but I I do think uh, that this film does definitely present itself well as a feminist text Mm -hmm. overall. But again, in my questions, I wanted to problematize it just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Because he knows a little bit going on there. Um, So there you go, dear listener. I think that was a very fruitful uh, roundtable discussion. Of uh, what we see here in uh, this film uh, Mean Girls Which has nothing to do with uh, Figuring out a different sort of average Other than a median or an average Well there you go dear listener Now you know what we think uh, At least a bit about what we think And what we think we might end up thinking About the film Mean Girls Uh, And we're going to move on now To a time from the show I'm I'm
1: much more partial to median girls
0: (laughs) What about standard deviation girls? Next week on
1: the Good Trash (laughs) (laughs) Mathcast
4: Bunch of mathletes. I stopped with math mathletes. they start calling letters numbers because that's stupid. But we're going to move right on and uh, render a verdict. Kevin G,
1: title. math enthusiast slash badass MC. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, and we're going to render a verdict. Shelf or trash, and then our else's or instead's. I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say? Shelf or trash, else or instead?
2: Cop out. Put it on your virtual shelf. I don't think you have to rush out and buy this, but I think it's definitely worth watching. Uh, In a permanent perspective, if it were to be pulled from streaming, never to return, I would put it on my shelf. I give it seven instances of Carpal Tunnel coming back out of nine. Uh, I felt uncomfortable. (laughs) With it, I would watch Easy A starring Emma Stone. I would also check out Jennifer's Body where we get to see Amanda Seyfried on the other side of the plastics table. And finally, for the penultimate high school film, watch The Breakfast Club.
4: Oh, a- absolutely! Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you? Shelf or trash, else or instead?
0: Um, I would uh, stream it. I, th- I think this is a very streamable film. Um, I don't feel like if it was pulled from streaming, you would need to own it, though. So I guess I, we you know, we both say stream it, but I lean more on the trash side, and he leans more towards the shelf side. So, um, that's that's my rating. I would give it about, um. Seven hard-as-rock titties out of a possible um, 12. And um, what else would I recommend? I also was thinking Easy A the entire time because I think that Easy A is basically our like kind of like smart teen feminist comedy of the t- 2010s or whatever. Um, and then I would also recommend Clueless. Um, I would also recommend... Uh, Veronica Mars, because Amanda Seafried is again in high school and plays a popular kind of, she's not as, uh, you know, brain dead, but she does get to um, subvert some stuff. And There's a 30%
1: of, chance that it's already, already raining.
0: raining. That's right. Um, and I think that's all the movies that I have to recommend. Oh, maybe Ferris Bueller's Day Off if you want to do that as well.
4: Thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Mohan and Mr. Dalton Sir, What do you say? Shelf for trash, else or instead?
1: Shelf. It's definitely the smartest teen comedy out of the odds. 100% no question asked. Period. End of story. End of discussion. <clears throat> for me, it gets um, four candy cane grams for Glenn Coco out of a possible five. Um,
0: you go, Glenn Cuoco. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, with it, I would recommend, I think this is part of a trifecta of smart teen movies. Smart Female-centric teen movies, um, one of which has already been mentioned, Jennifer's Body, uh, the other being Heather's. uh, Ah, And they mm -hmm. all say very interesting things about being a teenager, um, but do so either using uh, violence or surreal comedy or both uh, in the case of Heather's. Mean Girl just uses surreal comedy. uh, Jennifer's Body uses violence. Heather's uses surreal comedy and violence. And they all do something very interesting Uh, with the story, the typical high school story and, and say something about being a teenager that I think is very valuable.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Donald Stewart. I'm going to say this is a pass as far as buying, um, so insofar as that means trash, but I don't think it's in any way unwatchable. Yes, I think it's definitely. absolutely a super, super watchable film. Uh, catch it if you get a chance, but um, don't buy it out of, the, uh, out of the bin until you've seen it. Elsa's uh, Clueless already mentioned. I think that's perfect for this. 10 Things I Hate About You, another yep. great teen Ooh, comedy uh, with the, the immortal Heath Ledger. Uh, and uh, I would also say, if you want to see um, How the Mighty Have Fallen and uh, see Lindsay Lohan's latest effort In the Canyons Directed by uh, Paul Schrader uh, Also co-starring Porn star James Dean D-E-E-N He's a handsome man He's a handsome man He is
0: a very handsome man
4: And uh, There you go Um, Just it's not the same movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I will say no more. Uh, so uh, take a look at that because I kind of like that movie too. It says some things about cinema that I think are kind of interesting. But moving right along, guys, it's now time to look at some feedback and give you opportunities to give us feedback about what we said, didn't say, should have said, and uh, what you would have said had you been here. And so I ask you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon, you know anything about a way that they can have the conversation with us?
2: Yeah, they can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash good trash genre One word, uh, a bit of feedback, I uh, posted a a tribute to Robin Williams following our Jack show and uh, (laughs) asked some favorite moments of Robin Williams, and we got a response from Randall Bays saying that, in what dreams may come, Williams taught me the power of sadness and the beauty of recovering from its clutches. And so, thank you, Randall, for that memoriam.
4: That's a great movie, and absolutely, that is part of the power of that film.
2: Otherwise, uh, we again don't have much feedback coming in. However, I don't blame our audience because I don't think they're seeing our posts. I'm blaming Zuckerberg and Facebook. Our posts only get seen by about 15 to 30 people. So if you're listening to this, go share our posts, like our posts, comment on our posts so other people will see them and the conversation can grow.
4: That's right. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. The conversation never ends, Dalton Stewart. How else
1: can it happen? Do not tweet because you will get pregnant and you will die. Don't tweet laying down. Don't tweet standing up. Just don't do it. Okay? Promise? All right, everybody take some boxes. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) you can find...
0: Yes! That was perfect. (laughs) The cell phone condom. After after two weeks of not having a monologue, I needed that in my life.
1: You're welcome, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find the Good Trash Genre cast on Twitter at good underscore trash. Got some new followers. uh, At Comic Zeros, uh, which is a comic book news uh, aggregating type thing. Uh, And at Drinking Quest, which is a game designer and comedy writer that is now following us. Other than that, and uh, a lot of retweets and favorites, not a whole lot new coming in on Twitter. Um, I also don't blame our listeners. We had kind of a quick turnaround this week.
0: Oh, I did have some feedback that was at mentioned at me. Um,
1: Yes. Yeah,
0: so one of my friends that I've met through Dota, his, his handle is... Um, MC Gamers um, He was tweeting at me like Hey, you're on a podcast, right? And I'm like, yeah And he's like, oh, have you have you heard? Uh, I was like, have you heard of us? And have we listened? And so we talked about it And he's like, yeah, I'm going to check it out So anyway, um, he seemed very interested in and- at least checking it out.
4: Well, cool. That's right, dear listener. Thank you so much for all of that feedback, guys. And uh, we love hearing from you on iTunes. We'd love to get a rating from you. And if you'd like to write a written comment as well, that'd be great. You can also email us, goodtrashrunnercast at gmail.com. You can uh, send comments at Stitcher Internet Radio and also at the Podbean site where we are hosted, goodtrashrunnercast.podbean.com. But enough of this foolishness. It's time to play the game. This week's game
1: is our favorite SNL alum films. That's right. Favorite SNL alum films brought to you by Mean Girls and the Walker Brothers Pancake House. The senior class is proud to present you with two gift certificates to the Walker Brothers Pancake House.
4: I like pancakes. Yummy. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Dalton. Uh, That was... Strangely obscure, yet completely topical. Uh, yeah, so. that's for the movie. Well done. Uh, Tim so- Meadows
1: gives them uh, the Walk Brothers Pancake House coupons. So what are your picks, Dalton? Um, well, obviously, I what am I going to do? Not talk about Wayne's World, which is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I can watch that movie endlessly. You know what one of my favorite th- things in that movie is? Is uh, Ed O'Neill, who uh, runs the the coffee donut shop that they hang out at. Uh, and the uh, the camera will be giving a fourth wall-breaking moment to Mike Myers, and it'll start to pan over to something else, and then Ed O'Neill will get in the shot and just be like... Why is it if a man kills another man in battle, it's called heroic? Yet if he kills a man in the heat of passion, it's called murder. Hello! What do you think you're doing? And Ed O'Neill is so funny. Uh, there's just so many great moments in that movie. Um, they're talking about their plan to to take down Rob Lowe, and um, Mike Myers opens a door to a bunch of guys, like, training and explosions, and uh, Garth is like, what's that? He's like, oh, nothing, I just always wanted to open a door onto some people training. It's just all, there's so many, like, really weird, that movie, you know, people like that movie, and it gets credit for being very funny, it doesn't get credit for how interesting and weird the humor in it is, I don't think, um... It is without a doubt one of my very, very, very absolute 100% favorite comedies ever made, period. I love it to pieces. Uh, And and this one uh, is another comedy I I love dearly. Uh, Not based on an SNL sketch like Wayne's World, but is, you know, starring an SNL alumni. uh, And that is Chevy Chase and National Lampoon's Vacation. Not Christmas Vacation, which I think is an overrated piece of dog shit.
0: Me too. I hate that movie. I know
1: you do. Um... That might be a little strong. I just I don't really care for it the way some people do. But I think the original vacation is hysterical. Um, and Chevy Chase is just so funny. And at the scene uh, where he's, like, demanding that we're on a quest for – this isn't a vacation any longer. This is a quest for fun. Hysterical. Absolutely so funny. And, uh, I mean, at the height of his career, Chevy Chase, I mean, was just so funny. Excellent. I totally agree. Thank you very much, Mr.
4: Dolan
2: Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what are your picks? I'm going to start. It's a movie that's already been mentioned uh, by Dustin, and that is uh, Happy Gilmore, starring Adam Sandler. Uh, to me, it's just one of my favorite movies growing up. How do you <laughs> it's just instantly quotable, and it kind of... Nudie
1: Magazine Day! Nudie Magazine Day!
2: It sets Sandler's shtick into a motion. Well, let's see what's going on here. Anyway, I, I like Happy Gilmore a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. It's quotable. It's just it's just dumb fun. I I, I like it a lot. Uh, I would move into the more recent years. I would say just kind of off kilter picks, and I would pick uh, Chris Rock in top five. Oh yeah, um, nice. Oh, which man, is a really solid film. Uh, I also want to mention uh, Kristen Wiig, Bill Hader, and uh, the Skeleton Twins. A little independent comedy from a couple years ago uh, is really good. Uh just kind of in my wheelhouse that I really enjoy, and so I'm I'm going to stick with those three for now. That's a good one, Arthur. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Miss Alexander Bohannon, what say you?
0: I've got one selection. It's just because of my lack of experience with a lot of SNL and their cast, um, and that is uh, Andy Samberg Vehicle Hot Rod from 2007. Yes.
1: Cool. beans. beans. The whole Lonely Hot. Island gang.
0: What way. Yeah, that's a good movie. Also endlessly quotable. And it's just fun. Like that one's such a it's brainless, but not brainless. And it's endlessly enjoyable. And of course, Lonely Island peeps are always a blast. So that's basically my my pick for SNL uh, alumni films.
4: Thank you very much, Ms. Alexander Bohannon. I have – I'm going to mention too that I've already mentioned so far. Tommy boy, Tommy boy, Tommy boy, Tommy boy. Mm. Uh, It's it's so – shut up, Richard. It it is so funny. Uh, And again, endlessly, endlessly quotable. Fat guy in a little coat. Housekeeping. (laughs) I Just so many good things.
1: Hey, Dustin, who's your favorite little rascal?
4: Was it Alfalfa?
1: or was it spanky? <laughs> and so I love that movie a lot. All of you
0: guys laugh the same way, which is funny. Oh,
4: uh, it's so good. Uh and the other one again already mentioned is I love Mike Myers and so I married an axe murderer. It is just fantastic. Put
1: your huge head on your huge belly. It's got a own weather system. <laughs>
4: That's so funny. Uh, You know, that's the beginning of Mike Myers playing all the roles and, you know, some of the other shtick that he ends up doing. And uh, it's just really funny. Again, endlessly quotable. I love his little poetry bits, you know.
3: Woman!
1: Whoa, man! Whoa, man! She was a thief. You gotta believe. She stole my heart
0: and my cat.
4: Me horny, Saturday morning. Girls of cartoons, won't leave me in ruins. I want to be Betty's Barney. Hey Jane, get me off this crazy thing. Called love. Well, there you go, dear Lester. What are your favorite SNL Alum films? We'd love to hear that via those magical means of social media already mentioned thus far. But now we come to the end of our show where we talk about what's got us fired up this week in pop culture. <laughs> That's right. We're really, really fired up about a lot of things. We'd love to hear all about them right here and right now. Miss Alexander Bohannon, are you fired up?
0: Uh, mildly fired. Yes. Um, so this weekend I've participated in my first ever NFL fantasy draft. Um, at the Buffalo Wild Wings uh, extravaganza. It was really fun. It took like four hours, but it's totally worth it. Um, So we got our team, we got our league, which we are theming after Game of Thrones. So <laughs> it's called Game of End Zones. And we're all doing Game of Thrones puns as our title. Um, I think, I mean, they're all basically like lines from the show with like key phrases replaced with like characters' names because they have similar names. So it's more of like, do you know football and... Names, etc. Um, so that's really fun. And then, of course, in a pairing with that, I have started watching The League, which is a um, very funny show. A very funny show. Can be a little problematic when discussing issues regarding rape. Rape is thrown around a lot in that show, but it's kind of, I guess, par for the course in a bro comedy. Um, but anyway, but that's like my one little nitpicky thing. It's mostly. Really hilarious. So um, I've been enjoying that a lot. And, of course, it's a lot funnier now that I've, I'm actually in a in a fantasy league. Nick Kroll itself. is so funny on that show. Yeah. Everyone in there is so good. Paul like,
1: Gier, Yeah, Mark Duplass. The God, they're all so funny. Yeah,
0: for sure. So that's kind of the only things I'm super fired up about as of right now. Thank
1: you very
4: much, Mr. Alexander Bohen and Mr. Dalton Stewart, are you fired up as well?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, there's something that I meant to talk about a few weeks ago and just kind of went unmentioned. Uh, but Rogue One, uh, which is going to be the first Star Wars spin-off film uh, starring Felicity Jones, uh, that was announced a while back. Uh, but about a week or two ago, they announced the supporting cast, which has got me so excited. It features the likes of Ben Mendelsohn, Mads Mikkelsen, Forrest Whitaker, Alan Tudyk, and honestly, the one that makes me the most excited, Donnie Yen, which means there's going to be some goddamn kung fu in it. Uh, really exciting, I mean, how great is that supporting cast uh, also the fact that it 's a Star wars movie that 's uh being helmed uh, by a, a woman character I think is pretty cool uh, that 's something that 's never happened they 're always part of the supporting cast so the fact that uh it 's a heist movie to steal the plans to the original death Star is the the gist of the movie taking place between episodes three and four um, and the people they the this is the team that heisted the plans to the Death Star and found that really conveniently placed exhaust port. Um, so I th- I'm really excited about that. We somehow haven't talked about this on the show at all, but... Uh,
0: I'm, I'm hyped for I'm very excited
1: about it. Gareth Edwards, who did uh, the uh, Godzilla uh, reboot from the year before last, uh, is directing it, so that'll be fun. Um, I-, I have a confession to make, guys. I like Green Day, and I don't care who knows it. Damn it, I like Green Day. Do you have
3: the time to listen to
0: me whine? And everything all at once.
4: Hey, the Saints are coming, man. It's all right. Are you coming?
0: going to a concert?
1: No. Uh, I watched uh, the documentary Broadway Idiot, which is about how American Idiot became a Broadway musical. Uh, kind of fun. You know, it's, it's a fluff piece. It's, you know, something they made uh, while production was going on for the show. It just released like a year or two ago, despite the Broadway show closing in like 2010, 2011. Um, but it's it's on Netflix. It's it's a fluff piece talking about how uh, fun it was to be in that musical um, and how cool it was to make the musical.
0: Didn't I see in your letterbox queue that you watched um, Seven Days in Hell, Three Days in Hell,
1: Seven Days in Hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah seven... another
0: SNL alum film. Yeah,
1: with uh, Andy Sandberg and um, Kit Harington from Game of Thrones is an HBO. Uh, it's really funny because it's presented as an HBO sports documentary. But it is a uh, a mockumentary about, and they play it totally straight the entire way through. It's super funny, um, but yeah, it's a, presented as an actual HBO Sports documentary uh, about tennis. this this seven day long tennis match between Andy Samberg's character and Kit Harrington's character. It's really fun. A uh, lot of fun cameos that I won't spoil in there. Uh, it's narrated by John Hamm, which is just a delight.
2: That's great.
1: Uh, finally, I'm going to mention it one more time. I mentioned it last week, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Thursday, September 10th, uh, I will be performing uh, stand up comedies at the 51st Street Speak Easy in Oklahoma City. Um, so if that's something you're into, uh, you should go, because uh, comedy's fun. It's a free show. Um, alcohol is not free and is encouraged by you to be purchased, uh, so the, the speakeasy will keep letting comedians tell jokes there. Um, but yeah, free show. Uh, starts at like 9 o'clock. So, uh, come do the thing and win the points with us.
4: Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, are you fired up as well? Nope. Very well. Thank you very much, sir. <laughs> I felt like a waiter just now. Very good, sir. Very good, sir. Right? Uh, I am fired up about a couple of things. One of those things being a uh, former classmate of uh, several of us here on the Good Crash Gen- Genre Cast, uh, Sean t- Good Trash Genre Cast. Whatever those words are, Uh, Sean Tolbert uh, was at the uh, last FC Energy game, and uh, at said game, uh, Mary Fallon was uh, handing out the game ball, at which point uh, the crowd began to chant, pay your teachers, pay your teachers, pay your teachers. Whoa. Um, Wow, just wow. Wow. It's a nexus That's of, funny. of things right there that makes me uh, really, really, really happy. And uh, the, the the last thing I'm fired up about is what's going on right now on Letterboxd. At the beginning of the year, dear listener, if you recall, there was a challenge laid th- laid down. There was a gauntlet thrown.
0: Oh my god! And
4: uh, the gauntlet involved you know watching the most films of the course of the year 2015. And I know you want to know the stats because I'm going to give them to you right now. And uh, I'm just going to say Alex is up to uh, 44 films.
0: Woo! Um,
4: Dalton is setting at an even one hundred. Uh, Mister Arthur Gordon is at one thirty-five or thirty-four. I think I can't it's close.
1: I think one thirty-eight. I'm, I'm actually thinking about like one or two. No, you're one hundred.
4: Right I looked you up before I came in. Okay, I there's I haven't updated in a couple okay. of days though. And I'm setting at one ninety-six. Um, called it, won it. There you go. If you want to surrender now wave your white flags, go right. Ahead. No,
1: because I'll just wait for you to do what you did last year, which is stop updating. Uh, and then I will just uh, spend the last two months of the year catching up with all of the um, Indian art films that didn't make it to Oklahoma City that are now available on streaming and DVD. Anyway, Letterbox is fun, and I'm winning, and I like that.
4: So uh, there you go. I'm fired up about that. That's a very personal part of pop culture. By all means, dear listener, uh, find us on Letterboxd, and uh, we'd love to uh, keep the conversation going via that also other additional mean of social media. Uh, next week's film... Uh, is going to be dropping out on DVD. and I believe there's a video game thing that's going to be happening as well. And uh, we're going to get out of uh, uh, this Mean Girls uh, drive and move into the driver's seat and take a look at Mad Max Fury Road.
3: Dennis wasteland, I am the one who runs from both the living and the dead. Reduced to a single instinct. Survive.
4: to get through this. Let's go. <laughs> There you go, dear listener. Now you know what's next. Take a look at that in advance. Also, take a look at this film, Mean Girls, uh, Mode, Median, and Average Girls. And uh, we will be uh, talking about that and having a conversation because that's what makes watching films so much fun. And we'll see you all next time.
3: <laughs> Misdemeanor on the floor, pretty boy. Here I come. Pucks in the box, make you wanna hurt something. About can take your man, I don't have to set some. Um. Hang him out the window, for me Michael Jackson. I'm a pain in your rectum. I am dead. Soft slept on. Heavy hit around, spit up for me, rerun. Hey, 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 um, what's happening? Can I my drink? That's right. Shake. That's right, Mr. Bowles on the beat. That's right, put it down for the street. That's right dodge, baby. Shake, 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 it's still worse. Oh, pop that, pop that, jiggle that fat. Don't stop, get it till your clothes get wet. Number one, drums go bump, bump, bump. This beat here when we get home, bump, jump. If you's a fat one, put your clothes back on before you start putting potholes in my lawn. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm with the attack like my name was Sedan. I am the bomb from New York to my lawn and I can write a song, sickle then every dawn. My car alarm breaking my car. You will hear viper arm. I've been a superstar since Daddy came was brawl. I'm live on stage. Come on and give me some applause. Thank you. Oh, thank you. You all are so wonderful. <laughs> 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 Come on pass the dodge, baby. Shake, shake, shake your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> le that back don't stop getting to your clothes get back listen up you have five seconds to catch your breath five four three two one. Pop that, pop that, make Make that that money. money. Just keep it going like the Energizer Bunny. Shake that, shake that, move it all around. Sprake that, yank that, Dutch back now. Freak him, freak her, whatever your choice. Didn't come to judge, I came to get your voice. My voice is lost. Can I get a ride on a white horse?